Hello, and welcome to Nutmegged, a Premier League podcast. Every week, we break down the latest matches, cover off-field drama, and inevitably discuss VAR. I'm Jackie. And I'm Josh. If you enjoy our show, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at NutmeggedPod or our website, nutmeggedpodcast.com. Please rate and review the show on your preferred platform to help other listeners find us. Hi there, and thanks for joining us as we break down all of the fixtures for Match Week 2 of the Premier League. It's been a historic season so far, Jackie, with Crystal Palace winning both of its first opening games for the first time in history, and Manchester United hasn't won a single game yet all season. <laughs> Harsh. Now, now, to their credit, they've only played one, yes. so I wouldn't lose hope yet, United fans, but let's get into it. Okay. What did you think of Arsenal's victory over West Ham? 2-1. West Ham looked like they were probably better than I think a lot expected them mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, they looked at least like they cared this week. Um, no, I thought it was it was pretty good from West Ham. They were improved. They defended better. They had a lot more fight in them. They were you know, trying to win duels, 50-50s. They looked good. They gave Arsenal a surprisingly hard time. Um, I was not super impressed with Arsenal's performance this week. They looked... Sluggish, quite defensive. Um, yeah, it just wasn't their best their best day. However, it's a good thing that they won while not playing their best. I think this is the kind of game last year that they would have lost or drawn. Um, they still managed to get the three points, which is most important. And, and last week you talked about how Arsenal is playing in a much more defensive shape and how you wondered if there were certain games where they need to be more attacking-minded. Do you think the reason they won this game one that they might have lost last year, as you said, was because they were so defensive? I mean, I think West Ham aren't a particularly prolific scoring team. They played better and I think provided a little bit of hope for West Ham fans that they can still kind of fight their way back. But this is a game that that Arsenal should be winning. I do still have some concerns about Arsenal's creativity in the midfield. Ceballos is probably their most creative midfielder and he's not incredibly creative in terms of you know, multiple opportunities a game. So it's really up to the front line of Aubameyang, Lacazette, and this week, William to create. And William had one of his, you know, less than amazing days after a great game, as we're, we were kind of used to at Chelsea. Um, and Aubameyang had kind of one of his quieter days. On days like that, it's difficult to expect them to create all their opportunities themselves. And West Ham did a pretty good job of just kind of shutting them down. So it's good that they won, and that's all that really matters in the end. But there are some signs that they could use a little bit more creativity in midfield. Um, I think Arteta is aware of that with the players that they're targeting. It's just a matter of whether or not they can bring them in or if they can kind of find it within the team. I think Tierney being out would be a bigger concern for me as an, if I were an Arsenal fan. Okay, let's touch on West Ham quickly before we sure. move on. Uh, last week you talked about Declan Rice. How do you think he played this week? And then also give us a quick update on the latest you know, sale rumors. Is, is he still rumored to be leaving West Ham this season? He looked back to his best this week. He was breaking up play in the middle, kind of commanding the rest of the team. I know he's still a target for Chelsea. I know they are very interested. I think the rumors are that he's pretty interested in returning to Chelsea. He was there as a kid. His family, they're all Chelsea fans. He's still best friends with Mason Mount. So I think there's like a lot of traction to these rumors. But 
West Ham don't want to sell. I think it would take a really large offer from Chelsea, which I'm not sure they're willing to make in this window. I think you said last week maybe 80 million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. So I don't think Chelsea would pay that. I think it depends on how much money West Ham actually need because no one's really sure how much COVID has affected any of these clubs. Um, or whether or not Rice would push a move through by you know, refusing to train or something. I don't I don't think he would do that. So I could still see this move happening, but maybe in January or next summer as opposed to this window. Okay, let's move on. Okay. Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Yeah. Crystal Palace won that game 3-1. Sure did. Like I said, for the first time in Premier League history, they've now won the first two games. Yeah. Zaha looks inspired. He was captain <laughs> for the first time. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that game? I think it was worrying from a United point of view, but not, you know, the crisis that the media is already making it out to be. I think it was really positive from a Crystal Palace point of view. I thought they looked really good. They looked motivated. They had some more creativity and attack. They have some good players that kind of are yet to really feature, like Eze and Batshuayi, um, who I think will only help going forward. And they defended well. So I think from a Palace point of view, it was a great game. United, the signs are worrying in that the players looked sluggish and tired like they did at the end of last season. They don't have a ton of depth to bring off the bench. Um, and the centre-back pairing is just, a, in my opinion, a weak point. I don't particularly think Lindelof and Maguire are a great match. I think their weaknesses don't help one another, and they looked particularly vulnerable in this game. Um it's not a cause for panic. I'm, Fernandez will have better games. Rashford will have better games. Martial will have a better game. Um, but I can see why United fans are so eager for more signings because it is a bit of a concern when you look to the bench and Greenwood was really the only person who looked like he could come on and maybe change things. Yeah, I remember my little rant last week about how I, I thought that maybe Maguire and Greenwood and also Foden shouldn't start. And you know, all three of those <laughs> players played or started this week. Yeah. So no one's listening to none of those coaches listening to this podcast yet. <laughs> uh, Shocking. What, what, what do you think about uh, Greenwood's performance? He seemed kind of quiet. He didn't, you know, change the tone of the game the way that he has in the past. Obviously, he didn't score anything. Yeah, he came on as a sub. He didn't have much of a chance to affect the game. Do you think he he's... didn't do anything particularly impressive, but he he wasn't the problem. I mean, the midfield wasn't creating much. They weren't, you know, they had a lot of possession. I think they had some like 70% possession United and just weren't really creating much. Bruno Fernandes had one of his quietest games. Pogba was, again, kind of anonymous. And Scott McTominay started, and I don't, he's not really a defensive midfielder. And so there just wasn't a ton happening in the midfield. And Crystal Palace were finding it pretty easy to cut through them when they counterattacked. I should note that Donny van de Beek came on, the new signing from Ajax, and he scored. He, scored. he looked pretty good, and he's a very good player. Um, but I think he's kind of a lone bright spot in that performance for United. What did you think of the new haircut Harry Maguire revealed? Half a fade and half a bowl cut. A little bit of a bowl cut. Yeah, not a fan. I have to say. Maybe it's all the rage in Greece in prison. I have to say. Prison haircut. Yeah, I have to say it it was a unique one. You know, this season, post-COVID, we've seen a lot of man buns. So many man buns. And we've seen the other option is is, uh, blonde tips on a whole lot of players. 
I mean, I'd rather have that. So, that's, 90s that, throwback. That was my question. If you were Harry Maguire and you could choose between a bowl cut and a fade or, or a man bun or a Oof. blonde tip, what should he go for I, I, next I think week? Harry Maguire should keep it simple. He has a, a rather strong face. Slab head, as Jamie Vardy called him. Sure. Keep it simple. Okay. And 3-1 Crystal Palace, two goals from open play, one from a penalty. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they got the help, they being the defense, the help that they needed from De Gea? De Gea has been an issue in the past, and I'm sure will it'll come up again in the future, but I don't think he was particularly an issue in this game. Um, he did save the initial penalty, and then it was somewhat controversially retaken because he had stepped off the line a little bit. That's a new rule this season, and that if you're at all off your line when the penalty is taken, it'll be retaken. So it's pretty harsh on the goalkeeper. Um, I don't think he did anything particularly wrong this weekend. Let's go to Leeds Fulham. <laughs> uh, another 4-3 match, this yes. time in favor of Leeds. <laughs> it's been fun. It was 4-1 at one point, uh-huh. and it looked like a route for Leeds yep. before Fulham scored two probably unexpected goals. Clawed their way back. After a couple of substitutes, which the commentators were uh, skeptical of, mm-hmm. but before obviously worked out in, in Fulham's favor. To a point, yeah. What did you think of that game? I thought it was wild. I think Leeds are going to be really interesting to watch this season because they seem to not believe in defense, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is <laughs> unique, but really entertaining if you're not a Leeds fan. Um, so I think, again, they're really good going forward, as you'd expect a Bielsa team to be, but they've been equally entertaining defensively with just some kind of big lapses. They, I think, are still going to be fine and stay up, but they might want to think about defending every once in a while. Fulham, I think, this game gave them a lot more cause for optimism than the first weekend. They started off badly, but did kind of find their way back. Mitrovic scored two. He looks, you know, again, he's the focal point of their offense. If he can stay fit, they have a good chance. I thought Scott Parker's attacking substitutions were pretty brave, considering they were 4-1 down and he brought on two attacking players, and it, it worked. They scored two more goals. Um, I just think they need to work on their defense or buy some defenders because they were wide open and Leeds scored four goals pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everton, West Brom. Yeah. A 5-2 victory for Everton. A hat-trick for Calvert-Lewin, mm-hmm. which I'm pleased about because he was in my fantasy team this week. I put him in right yeah. before the deadline. Lucky you. And a first goal for James Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And nice one. not too much to say for West Brom. I will say for West Brom that they look better. They had, you know, they scored two goals. They had a little bit more attacking impetus from Diangana, who scored a beautiful first goal. The free kick was fantastic that Pereira scored for their second. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough season for West Brom. They weren't helped by the fact that Kieran Gibbs was sent off. They were doing pretty well up until he shoved Thomas in the face, which was not the most mature <laughs> response. And then their manager, uh, Slavin Bilic, was sent to the stands as well. So, you know, it, it didn't go their way. But there were at least some more promising signs than the first week. I do wonder, though, when a manager sent to the stands in co- during COVID, can you just yell louder? Because... The players could hear. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Usually it means they can't affect the game, but that's theoretically good, he could just good, start screaming from the stand. You'd certainly hear him. I was watching the post-game interviews, and I don't think I've ever come across 
a nicer sounding, terrifying looking man in Slavin <laughs> Village. Yeah, so with if the he, earring. So if he was yelling, I'm sure they would have heard him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a really good game for Everton, and they continue to look very, very good. So. Are, you, are you surprised that they've won the first two games to start the season? I'm not surprised. I'm surprised at how cohesive they look already, in term, just because they had you know, a whole new midfield and still a relatively new manager, but they look really well organized and just really fluid already. And do you just chalk that up to the coaching, or was it something that we might be missing, like they had fewer players on international duty and more time together as a team? They had a bit more time, but no, Angelotti deserves the credit. And they're well, they look well coached. Okay. Mm-hmm. Everton won to watch this season. Definitely. Leicester Burnley, a 4-2 victory for Leicester. They're one of the five clubs that are still unbeaten through two games. Yep. This is a game we expected them to win, though. Mm-hmm. Burnley had kind of a makeshift defense. Um, both me and Tarkovsky were out, I think, through injury. They're kind of there solid centre-back pairing, so they had a young defender done in. They didn't do too badly, but Jamie Vardy is a handful for any defence, and um, yeah, Leicester were just too good for them. There's not a whole lot to say. Burnley scored two goals in which they kind of targeted James Justin at left-back, um, so that's kind of an area to watch out for. When Chilwell left, Leicester signed Castagna from Atalanta, who is a very good player, but he's been playing it right back while Ricardo Pereira is out injured for the long term. It'll be interesting to see if he shifts to left back when Pereira returns or if Justin is going to be the long term because he scored this weekend and he's very good going forward, but I think there are some questions about his defending. Yeah, I I haven't fully appreciated maybe some of his defensive weaknesses because I've mostly been looking at him through the lens of my fantasy team (laughs) as one of the 4.5 million... Yeah, he's a good, r- really, good asset really value defenders, and he's actually had a couple of pretty great weeks from that yeah, standpoint. Yeah, so with the goal. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Chelsea-Liverpool. Yes. Okay. Yes, so, we must. Uh, I was excited. You were anxious. As usual, I was wrong and you were right. <laughs> exactly. It was a 2 nothing victory to Liverpool. Uh-huh. It was an interesting game because Chelsea looked to really be holding their own for the first half, I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah. Nil-nil at halftime. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with Chelsea's defense and the shape, and they were doing pretty well until Christensen decided to execute a rugby tackle. Right, and they they were doing pretty well, even though they were missing some of their future stars this season. You know, when they panned to the stands, you could see, obviously, Pulisic, Ziyech, Chilwell, Chilwell, Silva. Yeah, it was quite the squad in the stands. Christensen, tell me what you thought of his red card. Obviously, it was a silly offense, but going back to what you said in our preview about this game maybe coming down to Chelsea's goalkeeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly was right. Um, it was... seems like Christensen just, just didn't have any faith in his goalie. At yeah, that point. it was an idiotic tackle. There's no reason for it. He should have been sent off. I have no complaints about the red card. He panicked. He absolutely panicked. But if you're a center back running back against Sadio Mane and you see that the only thing standing between Mane and the goal is Kepa, you can kind of understand why you'd panic. Again, not defending him. He's very stupid. But it goes back to the fact that I think the defense has no trust in Kepa. And he might be a lovely guy and we feel terrible for him. Yeah, I don't want to him. kick him while he's down. I'm sure he knows he's not playing well and he's having a terrible time. But I think Eduard Mendy from Rennes cannot come in fast enough. It's 
it should be announced any day now that he's signed for Chelsea. And I think as soon as he can come in, I will be very relieved because it's just, it's not working. And that was before Kepa passed the ball directly to Mane for the second goal, which was just, I mean, there's, there's not even really much you can say about it. It's just, he, he gave them a goal. Yeah, it went from bad to worse a little bit. And, and I'm sure, you know, you could see the frustration on his face and I'm sure he felt like yeah, I his feel stomach bad for fell him. through the floor or, yeah. or whatever because clearly he didn't want that to be the outcome. Right. Um, He's not trying to make mistakes, but he has no confidence. The defense doesn't trust him. And it's just it's just not working. And I think the fact that Chelsea finished fourth last season with the worst keeper in the league is in Europe, actually, yeah, as you as you pointed out, is pretty impressive. And I think it's hard it's hard to judge this game because Liverpool were the better team, and obviously in the second half they had a man advantage, and that just was plenty. You don't it's hard to beat Liverpool with eleven men with ten. It's, you're kind of screwed. Um, and they did everything they had to do to win. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with Chelsea in the first half. I thought they defended well. They had a few good chances through Werner, who still looks really lively and just so fast. Um, and I think things were going pretty well until, you know, the crucial mistakes. So I wouldn't, I'm not feeling too bad about it because I just think it was too early for Chelsea. They were missing, again, Pulisic. Ziyech, Chilwell, Silva, and potentially Mendy, the goalie. So that's five people who are potentially going straight into the starting lineup. So you're missing half your potential lineup against Liverpool. Still the best team in the league, one of the best teams in the world. It, it makes sense. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Frank Lampard, Chelsea manager after the game, say that in some ways he was more encouraged than he was after the win to Brighton the week before. I was too, actually. I kind of see what he's saying because... Though they won at Brighton and they did enough to win, the players looked pretty disjointed and sluggish, and it definitely looked like the first game with not a lot of preseason. This week, they looked a lot more cohesive. They looked more fit. They looked like they had a plan. The defense looked better in terms of the shape. Um, so I guess the, the encouraging thing as a Chelsea fan is that it really came down to two really colossal mistakes which I think can be cut out. So there's reason for hope. But yeah, it, it was just, it wasn't fun. Through two games, it seems like Reese James is probably Chelsea's best player so far this season. Do you agree with that? And are you surprised by it? I think Werner has been the most impressive just in terms of his work rate and his speed. And he's won two penalties. Um, he, you know, probably should have a goal by now. I wish he had been allowed to take that penalty, but... Oh, yeah. Jorginho missed it. It's the only penalty he's missed in like the last 16 he's taken or something. Mm -hmm. like. Anyway, um, so I think Werner's been the most impressive. Okay. And I want to touch on Liverpool just because I'm I'm a bitter Chelsea fan. Doesn't mean they don't deserve it. They played very well. They um, certainly took advantage of you know having 11 men against 10. They're not stupid. They did a very good job. It was smart for Klopp to bring on Thiago. For his debut, he's now arrived from Bayern, much to my displeasure, because he's amazing. Did I have to stop you there and ask you if you were as impressed by him as the commentators watching the game? I don't think anyone has ever been more <laughs> impressed by a human being than Lee Dixon is by Thiago, just in the history of humankind. He, he, he said... A regular pass was him caressing the ball. Yes, he, he did use the word caress, yes. He... I can't remember if he used the word revelation or something, but he, he talked about how he was the perfect player for Liverpool. and 
he was I'm, I'm he was drooling into his them, microphone. But it yeah. was yeah, it was, was, I've it never was seen, uh, special. I've never seen any player talked about in such fun tones. So. He's he's an amazing player. He's uh, arguably Henderson, who he replaced, probably had a bigger impact on the game. But uh, I don't know if I even heard Lee Dixon say the name Henderson, and certainly he he was thinking not about, in the way he said Tiago. He was name. thinking about Tiago before, during, and after the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, well done to Liverpool. All right, let's move on. Newcastle versus Brighton. Sure. Brighton won that game three nothing. Comfortably. Comfortably, we previewed it saying this this might be a pretty even game with two pretty good teams, and Brighton was obviously much better on the day. We were wrong. What happened? What <laughs> went wrong for Newcastle? What went right for Brighton? Um, Newcastle gave away a penalty in the first I don't know four minutes or so. Brighton scored that and followed it up with a second goal. Three minutes later. Yep. So Newcastle were off to a pretty terrible start. And Brighton played very, very well. Our former Chelsea boy, Lamptey, continues to be fantastic at right back for Brighton. He's so fast. Um, he drew the penalty because he dribbled in and they just had to take him out, basically. He's he's really hard to stop. He's tiny. I think he's five foot three or four. So his low center of gravity it's and his speed, it's really hard to get the ball off of him. So he just gets fouled repeatedly. And that's something he's going to have to get used to. I think he came off with a bit of an injury. So hopefully that's not too serious. But he was fantastic. Yeah, Brighton looked good. They have some some good players. And they look much more well-drilled than they did last year. If Malpe can keep scoring, then I think they're going to do really well. Newcastle didn't look as good as they did last week. But they still had some kind of promising moments. Callum Wilson, I think, will be really good for them. Just wasn't wasn't a great day. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. No penalty pun intended. Mopé, you touched on him just a second ago. Yeah. In our preview for the season, you kind of mentioned that Brighton needed to find somewhere to get more goals and, yeah. and you weren't sure if he was going to do that for them. He had obviously two goals and one assist in this game, so he was a key part of why they won. Just touch on your views a little bit more. You know, Remind us why maybe you weren't convinced he was going to give them the goals he needed and whether this was just one great game for him or he might actually surprise you. Yeah, I think he's a decent striker. I just don't think he's that consistent. He, if you remember, had that really great game against Arsenal last year when he wound up Guendouzi and mm-hmm. scored the winning goal. It was the last time we saw Guendouzi play yes. for Arsenal. <laughs> Basically ruined him. Um, so he's had some, you know, some standout games over the past season or two, but he's hasn't been consistent enough. So we'll see. This could be just one of his good days, but hopefully he continues to score. Okay. Southampton Spurs. Yes. Five two victory for Spurs. Yep. Southampton have, back from last week. Mm-hmm. Southampton uh, also one of five teams. There are five teams that have won two games. And there are five teams that have lost two games. Southampton is on the losing end of that. Yes. What did you think of that game? I think, obviously, it was a great day for Sun, who scored four, and Harry Kane, who assisted four and scored one. Mm-hmm. They had a great time. They looked good. Um, however, Southampton played a virtually suicidal high line defensively that was just, I mean, after the first two or three goals, you would think they would have dropped back a little bit. Their defense was up so, so high essentially trying to play an offside trap that wasn't working because Sun is very fast. So Harry Kane would put a ball through, Sun would run onto it. He'd basically have an open shot at the keeper. I mean, it was it was suicidal. Yeah. I'm not really sure but, why they were doing that and why they didn't stop it after the first couple of goals. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a little bit like a catch-22 in a way. 
if you're a Southampton's manager and you're already two goals down and you need to attack, sure, you can kind of say, I'm not going to abandon this now. But obviously it didn't work. Sure, but I think you can still pull your defensive line back even five or ten yards just to force Spurs to be more creative, force them to find the pass rather than just basically boot it over the top and run onto it. And I guess that has been their Achilles heel. You've talked many times about how Spurs doesn't have the most creative midfield. So maybe that could have stymied them, but obviously it, it didn't. Yeah, I still think Spurs would have won. They have a, a just a better team, and Southampton looked like they're off to a pretty rough start. But I think Southampton could have made it harder for them <laughs> because I just think Sun and Harry Kane basically couldn't believe how much space they had. Random question. Do you think the Spurs will have another game this season in which they score five goals? Sure. I'm going to go for a Gareth Bale hat trick just to bring up the fact that Gareth Bale is back at Spurs. How do you like that transition? I liked it. I wrote down, mentioned Gareth Bale, and I forgot to, so yep. I'm glad you rescued me. Yeah, he's back. It's a very interesting one-year loan. I'm excited to see him. I'm going to have to kind of hate him now because he plays for Spurs again, but I hope he does well, except against Chelsea. And yeah, it'll be interesting because he hasn't really played regularly for about two years. He obviously at one point was one of the best players in the world. He's amazingly talented, but has had a terrible time with injuries. Um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how fit he still is, how he was most known for his incredible speed and power running with the ball. I still think he'll score some of the kind of spectacular goals he's known for from outside the box or overhead kicks or things like that. I'm just not sure he'll be able to consistently provide the speed and power that he's known for. And in saying that, do you think that Spurs have addressed some of their player needs by signing him? You know, one of the biggest ones that you and and the team itself have talked about is some backup to Harry Kane. I know Gareth Bale isn't a striker, but are they going to be able to use Harry Kane differently and maybe reduce his risk of injury because you now have Bale? Or do you still think they need a new striker? I think Bale will play on the right and you'll have a front three of Sun, Kane and Bale. I don't think he necessarily fills in as the striker, but I think he will provide another outlet for them. And I think, you know, if you needed to rest Harry Kane, you could put Bale and Son up top together. So he definitely gives them another great option. They've also signed Regulon at left back from Real Madrid, which is a deal that both, it looks like both United and Chelsea were interested in him. He was on loan last season at Sevilla, did really well, won the Europa League. However, both Chelsea and United, I think, shied away from the buyback clause that Real Madrid have insisted on. So that's an interesting one, because if he goes to Spurs and plays really well, essentially Real Madrid have a very easy option to just take him back. So both United and Chelsea kind of balked at that. Spurs were willing to accept it. So he's there. He's a very good player. I think they needed a left back. So I think that's a good transfer. But I still just think they don't have enough creativity in midfield. Unless Ndombele suddenly gets fit and starts playing regularly. Do you know how much time Jose Mourinho has left on his contract, by chance? I think he signed a, I don't, maybe three or five year deal. So he's got some time left, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah definitely. I was just wondering if there's anything to be said for the fact that Spurs seems to be making a couple of big marquee short-term deals. If there's any pressure they're putting them on themselves for this season or if this season is significant in any way. I think he's just a kind of shorter-term manager. He wants success quickly. He hasn't lasted very long at any of his clubs, so I think he just wants to win, and we'll see what happens. 
he's not one to plan for the future too much. Okay. You, at the start of the season, didn't have Tottenham in your top four. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it doesn't necessarily change that view, but did these signings push them into the top four? No, but I think obviously they give them a better chance, but I still think they'll be too inconsistent. I just, I don't think Gareth Bale will be fit enough to make that much of a difference, but we'll see. And then just one more unrelated to this week's games. What's the latest on Dali Alley? Is he going to be leaving the team? It looks like if they got an offer for him, he'd be able to leave maybe on loan. Sounds like they tried to include him in a swap deal for Gareth Bale to Real Madrid, and that was not surprisingly rejected. <laughs> he hasn't played well for about two seasons, so it will be interesting to see if he'll stick around and kind of work his way back. And of course, Jose needs to shed some members from his squad because he thinks he's got too many players. <laughs> yes. Poor Jose. He went from having no players to too many players. Poor Jose. Wolves, Man City. Yep. 3-1 victory to Man City. Mm-hmm. Wolves with their first loss of the season. Not necessarily surprising because it was Man City, but we did think that maybe they could have beaten them because they beat them twice last year and they started this season well. Break that game down for us. It was, yeah, it wasn't surprising. City showed up in their hideous Paisley third kit, which if you haven't seen it, just Google it. It's it's horrifying. Um, <laughs> but no, they played well. They looked eager to get going. Wolves didn't test their defense too much. When they did, they, Jimenez scored. But yeah, they just looked too dominant. And Wolves have shed a couple of players this year that were pretty important to them last year, Doherty and, and Jota are among them. Mm-hmm. What do you think the impact of that will be this season? Do they have the backup? There are players coming in. They just signed Semedo from Barcelona. He'll essentially fill in it right back. So it remains to be seen how well they'll do, but they are signing replacements. So I just think they haven't come in yet, but they're they're on their way. So okay. I think Wolves will be fine. I think City are just one of the better teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And, you, and as a reminder, you have City finishing the league second yes. in your predictions, unless they get someone like Kuli Bali, at which point you think they'd be first. Or does Tiago now change that with Liverpool? I had Tiago as my note for changing that for Liverpool. Okay. So I'm going to stick with Liverpool in okay. the first. Yeah. So right now, Liverpool is more ahead unless City get someone else. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last one for this week. Okay. Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. <laughs> Poor Chris Wilder. <laughs> I just uh, like him. Uh, a red card 12 minutes in for yeah. Sheffield United's Johnny Egan. Yeah, that one, unlike Christensen, which was, in my opinion, as red as can be, this one was pretty harsh. He looked to be kind of shoulder to shoulder. They were He and Ollie Watkins were both running after a long ball. They were kind of grappling, pulling at each other's shirts. They were shoulder to shoulder. Yes, Watkins eventually kind of went down and he was the last defender, but A, it wasn't directly in front of goal. It was pretty far right. To call it a denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity, I think, is a little harsh because they were kind of even. He still could have gotten the ball. The keeper was coming out. It, It just seemed harsh, but you can see why it was given. I probably wouldn't think that would be a red, but... You know, they had 10 men after 12 minutes. It was it was pretty tough for Sheffield United. Yeah. And, and then Martinez, who's come in as the new goalie from Arsenal, saved the penalty. Yep. You know, you talked about... He did very him, well for Villa. an important addition to the team. Obviously, he had a good start. Definitely. 
it was interesting to see two games this weekend, the Chelsea game being the other one in which you had a team get a red card Mm -hmm. and then have the same team win a penalty only to not convert it. So poor Chris Wilder. Thrilled to be part of that club. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Chris Wilder's had a tough uh, opening two games. I just, he's one of my favorite managers and he just makes me laugh. And he was, I think, understandably pretty upset about that red card because, like I said, it was it was harsh. He's plain spoken, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's fun. I like that. Yeah, uh, Sheffield United is not one of the five teams that I would have guessed would start the season losing both their games. Is this? It's just two games, and it's a blip, and they'll be fine. Or is this? Hold on, maybe there's something not quite right here. It's worrying because they have a really tough schedule coming up. I think they play in the next. You know, eight weeks or so, they play Chelsea, City, Liverpool, several, you know, of the top teams. They they need to get some points. I think today would have been different had they not had a man sent off so early. But, yeah, it's a concern. They're not playing as well as they did last season. They have, in my opinion, a weaker goalie than they did last season. So there are reasons to worry, but I wouldn't freak out just yet. I still think they'll be fine. Yeah, and they do have a, a tough schedule. I was just looking at it. They've got... Leeds, Arsenal, Fulham, Liverpool, and Man City in the next five weeks. Not necessarily in that order. I think that might be it, but but they've definitely got a tough schedule. And I think they have Chelsea and stuff after that. So it's Chelsea right after that. Yeah. Six weeks. So they're gonna have a tough fall, but they're a good team. I think they'll be fine. All right. That's the end of the fixtures from week two. Wrap it all up for us. A couple of your most notable highlights from the week. I expected to see my beloved Chelsea with 11 men on the field. So that was surprising in the worst way. <laughs> um, no, I was surprised that Brighton played so well. I think the number of penalties this season already has been surprising. And with these new, more strict definitions of the handball and um, penalty retaking and all of that, I think the laws are going to be even more strict. So we'll see a lot of penalties. So I think it's going to be a season of a lot of goals and not a lot of defense. Okay, that'll be a fun <laughs> one for us to watch. Yeah. And is there anything you want to call out for the listeners to look out for over the next few days before we have our preview, something you're monitoring this week, be it a transfer or anything else? Look out for Chelsea signing a new keeper because I will be a very happy girl. Okay, so I'm sure we'll be talking about him more soon. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you on Friday. If you enjoyed our show, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at NutmegPod or our website, nutmegpodcast.com. Please rate and review the show to help other listeners find us. Cheers. Cheers.